100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. Right here in Hendersonville, FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards. Good morning and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on WHIN. Brought to you by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville, and also at myfmbank.com. And today we have one guest, uh, well, I should say three guests, but uh, the guest is the Nashville Zoo. The three guests are Jim Bartu, the marketing director for the zoo. Good morning, Jim. Morning. And also Allison Day. She's the ambassador and animal keeper. Hi there. Thanks for having us. And then there's a third uh, entity here um, that is looking at you very suspiciously right now. <laughs> and is. I thought when they curled like that, that meant they were ready to attack you. So that we have a we have a boa constrictor here, right? Yes, red tail boa constrictor named Enrique. Enrique, Jim, and Allison are with us. And Enrique, just stay over on that side of the table. You're beautiful, but, you know, not a snake guy. Uh, <laughs> but glad, Enrique, in case he wants to chime in. Yeah. He's not much of a talker. No. no but he is much of a squeezer, it he looks is, like. Yeah. So yeah. he's he all he's squeezer. all over you right he, now. He Alex. loves to give the hugs. Yeah. Let, let me take a quick look at him. Oh, my goodness. We'll take, we'll do some pictures and send them on, uh, put them on Facebook so everybody can, can see Enrique. All right? Sure. Well, um, Jim, why don't we kind of start with you okay. and uh, your career and maybe how you got uh, into... Uh, into this field and and what uh, brought you to the zoo you know i started working at zoos uh up in columbus ohio about 28 years ago um and it really kind of was a fluke i was looking for advertising work which is kind of what my college degree was in um and i wasn't having a lot of luck um so i picked up a part-time job at the columbus zoo up there working in their admissions department and i would ring school groups through the gate and I'd rent strollers and I drove the train around and I did tours. I did tram tours. It was one of the best summers of my life. Um, and in that process, I found out that zoos have marketing departments. I had no idea that zoos had anything more than people caring for animals. But there's a whole business side. So it wasn't side. your love for the outdoors that got you into the zoo business. It was advertising or marketing. You were hoping anyway, right? Right. Well, I mean, I, I, I love zoos. Yeah. Get, yeah. It's, it's hard not to love zoos. And I love zoos, so I thought this would be a fun place to work. And then I found out they had a marketing department. And they were looking for someone um, to help organize their video library uh, at the time. And that's really how I got started was, was in the marketing department working very few hours organizing a library and that's where uh, jack hannah's from so um, okay. they had a fairly sizable video library and i knew my way around um the editing the video editing decks at the time because i had spent about three years in tv news oh my, doing okay. the same thing yeah so well that um, was so back with little around. tape editing machines and dvrs yeah or whatever the three-quarter yeah. inch deck machines oh, yeah. that they had there that were donated to them from a tv station when they went to beta right that's that's well, how long were, uh, ago it was. I think you were just what the doctor ordered. And, yeah. And, and yeah. having Jim there, there's probably more video in that zoo than anywhere on the planet. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Jack had a lot of material. Jack, so, I'm yeah. Sorry, yeah. And I, I worked with him um, I worked with him quite a bit during the years that I was there. Uh, eventually worked my way into doing special events, uh, sponsorship, got more and more involved in the marketing aspect of what was going on. Uh, well, it's and then kind of eventually, how it weaved into that. It you know, did, which is yeah. really where you wanted to be. But also now you're in this amazing place where there's so many moving parts to a zoo that I think people forget about. Right. Yeah. And it has been a fantastic journey to kind of get me to where I am now. I, I've learned a tremendous amount about not only the zoo and aquarium industry, but about animals in general. And I've learned a lot more about pub the public and the public's reaction to. Uh, zoos and aquariums and so on and so forth. So, well, you know, part of the marketing model is is to to move people, right? And and I don't use the word manipulate in a bad way. I just mean sort of in a good way. Where you know, 
you, we know your interests sort of lie here. How can we engage more of you and get you to come to the zoo and participate more? Right. It's, it's no mystery that marketing people will um, engage in your emotions to get you to uh, act in some way. And that could be anything from donating to the ASPCA because you see dogs behind bars on a commercial to going to an amusement park. You know, it's it. There's no difference. It's all emotional um, transformation that they're trying to get from you is to see yourself in in that right. position. You may have a propensity, and you you know you want some time away, or you've got this interest in uh, particular animals or an exhibit, right? And you just don't have time to go. Don't have time to go. Don't have time to go. And you know, like you said, the marketing job is to give you reasons to make that effort. Right, yeah. What 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 is it that gets you over the fence and and towards that that operation of actually acting, yeah. right? And there's a lot of different aspects that kind of go about that, and and it's always changing. You know, it always it's it's always a little bit different in terms of how you want to position yourself within the community and try to convince people to come on out. Well, it seems to me, and I do want to I don't want to ignore Allison here because I do want to hear about how she got into this and why she would want to have a boa constrictor around her all day. But <laughs> um, really, you have a different perspective probably than most marketing directors coming into the zoo uh, field because of, you know, doing strollers and doing promotions and birthday parties. And, I mean, really from the ground up, it seems to me would make it so much easier. I know it was probably hard as you went through that period, but now once you're, you you kind of understand it, you have a much sort of wider understanding of, of what your job really is. I, I have a better understanding of the zoo as a whole, but I still don't. There's many things about the aspects of the zoo that I don't know. I, I never really got my feet wet in animal care um veterinary care i'm learning something new all the time um even the maintenance end of the park all the things that they have to do to be able to keep an exhibit safe for the animal and for the guests these are all it seems it it seems dumb doesn't it but you know nails sticking out of fences that can hurt an animal or hurt a guest yeah these are things that you constantly have to be looking at that stuff sure yeah oh and just the engineering of being able to keep um a tiger from getting out of right. an exhibit, keeping right. it keeping it safe within, and keeping the people safe on right, the other exactly. side. Because yeah. you're you're talking about the safety of two entities here: the animals and the uh, the uh, people coming to watch. And, and and when you're designing the back of house stuff for that, the the keepers' interaction with those tigers, because there's still tiger there's target yeah. training that goes on. You know, these keepers have to care for these animals, and you can't always tell a tiger. I need to listen to your heart. So you have to train it to to come up close to the mm-hmm. fence line and give you its chest so you can listen to that. And that takes um that takes a talent and a training to be able to do that. There right. is there's psychology involved with that that's a whole new process that I just never really learned when I was um in school, but I I'm fascinated at how keepers are able to move animals through that process and and the the vast major the vast amount of animals that can actually be trained in a session to do something like that you yeah. know animals that yeah. you never thought would do what you want them to do yeah. are doing those things like, because well, of that here. talent uh, good luck yeah yeah you know birds things that are fast yeah <laughs> a few years ago we had a keeper that was trying to um get a cockroach to stage on a little platform that she was raising, <laughs> that is she was hilarious. trying to target train these cockroaches to stand in a certain area, and they did. It, they, she was having some what, what appeared to be success at it. It's really hard to tell with cockroaches, wow. but that's yeah, hilarious. I know it was amazing. Well, you know, if Jim sounds a little funny, and Allison, they they are wearing uh, protective masks today, so they may sound a little muffled, but they're just trying to uh, look out for everybody here. So we appreciate that very much. Sure. Um, and Allison, Allison Day, uh, the ambassador for the zoo and uh, animal keeper as well, and certainly Enrique's keeper today. Um, tell us about your career and how you ended up at the zoo. Um, so I went to college for wildlife conservation at a small school in Pennsylvania. And after that, I had a bunch of animal care internships um, at the National Aviary and Disney's Animal Kingdom that gave me a lot of really awesome experience. And then I came here to the zoo about eight years ago now. Uh, so I've been here most of my career. 
So I get to do the animal shows, the animal encounters, different special events, some outreach programs. Um, so when you started uh, at the aviary and the zoo and stuff, did or at, at Disney, did you did what, did it kind of start off with birds and work its way to other animals? That so at the aviary, it's strictly birds there. Um, so that's mostly what I got to work with. I did a lot of education programs too, and at Animal Kingdom. A lot of times we interpreted at different exhibits, gave conservation messages to families and kids and everything. Uh, we also got to open the park every day holding um, a container with a different bug in it, whether it was a tarantula or a scorpion, and just introduce everyone into the really cool park. So that was a lot of fun and a great start to my career. So, you know, I've always liked that about zoos that give you that interaction. I mean, they would have the petting area for the little kids, but just having somebody out there seeing something they may not never think they would encounter close up. Um, how long did it take you to get comfortable with all animals, or are there some you're still not comfortable with? I'm pretty much comfortable with most of our animals. It took me some time. I was never really afraid of snakes or bugs like a lot of people are. Um, so I was kind of forced into the fire, per se, because um, we did a, didn't have a whole lot of staff in our department when I first started at the zoo, so I was kind of just forced to do everything, and that was really good for me, got me out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. got me comfortable with all kinds of really cool animals. What do, you, what do you find that is the most successful as far as you exposing people to maybe something they're not comfortable with? What, is, it the, is it a class thing? Is it, a, is it when you're out like you are today with one animal in front of a few people. How does that work? Well, I love doing shows. That's one of our our biggest um, things that people love to see at the zoo, where we fly birds, have reptiles out, have lots of cool mammals out. And those are really fun. But what I really love doing is our informal animal encounters. We'll have animals out on the trail. Sometimes uh, people can touch them and just ask more personal questions, and you can really get to know the guests a bit more. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. my favorite thing because – I love whenever I have a snake out and a kid, usually an adult really, uh, comes up and just screams. And it's just like, (laughs) what is that? And they start to run away. But then hopefully by the end of the conversation, I can convince them that snakes are cool. They touch the snake. I think we have the same issue with uh, mascots. You know, they, yeah. you know, yeah. some kids freak out and you have to know, which I, I do believe it, it seems like, oh, this is an easy job, but you need to know where their comfort level is, because if you just come up and you, they may never come to the zoo again. Yeah. Um, and the other hand, it's like, oh, well, they kind of stand, and then you start to talk to them, and then do you see them kind of come around? Oh, yeah. It happens a lot. You're not going to convince everyone that every <laughs> animal is awesome, but as long as you can make... One really awesome connection every day. I feel like I've done my job. So yeah, or if they fun. can at least walk away appreciating them. Yeah. Because every animal, you know, I don't want to say serves a purpose, but they all, it, it all fits together. You yeah, know? you're right, though. They do all serve purposes, like, if one animal... Oh, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, we we used to live on a lake, and my wife would freak out if there was something dead wherever. I'm, You know, I'm like, just wait a day. Yep. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Boom. Vultures, whatever it is, and there's nothing left but feathers. They, You know, I never really wanted to mess with what was naturally happening if I didn't have to. Because it, if people really, we're all so crazy busy and everything. That's one of the things that I love about zoos. and The Nashville Zoo, if you haven't been, obviously we want to encourage you to go there. It's such an escape. I don't know anybody who goes to the zoo that's thinking about work or something they got to get done. I, I don't know how you can because you just walk into this amazing place. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's great about the Nashville Zoo is it's a very new zoo. Um, we've really been around only about 22, 23 years, which is, which is pretty young for zoos. Mm-hmm. A lot of zoos uh, established at the beginning of the, 19th, uh, the 1900s um, or just after World War II. Um, these kind of conditions are, are a lot of times when, when zoos got started, and we got started much, much yeah, later. Yeah, well, I mean, you can see that just in sometimes the architecture, the layout, and there's right. good and bad. I mean, Lincoln Zoo in Chicago, for example. They're be- it's beautiful. Very old, but yeah. very different. Yes. Um, they have a little bigger footprint and a little more room because right. they, you know, and uh, other zoos don't have that luxury, but they probably are retrofitting so many things and wish they didn't have to deal with it. Yep. You guys it's a were very able different to experience. lay into your foundation. And we have we, we have 188 acres to deal with, So and a lot of that is wooded. So because yeah. of that, these beautiful pathways that you get to walk on to see these animals are shaded. 
Yep. It's generally cooler out there as you walk around. Which is around. great for animals because, right. uh, you know, people forget how hot it gets. You know, it, they're going to lay around. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so that is one of those natural settings that's great about Nashville. I'm glad you brought that up about the Nashville Zoo because, you know, hey, late morning, they're still out buzzing around. They're busy. and. Yep. And the kids love it, you yep. know. Yeah, first we open at 9 o'clock, and, and during this time of year, that's always a good time to come out is right when we open. Yeah. Well, we're up against our first break. I want to come back and talk with uh, both Jim and Allison. Uh, let's get that sort of elephant in the room, if you don't mind my uh, using a pun, uh, sure. about the COVID and how that's affected the zoo, because this affects everybody. Yep. And the zoo is no exception, and uh, we're anxious to hear about how you're doing with that, how you've uh, gotten by the last three months um, and what how it's going to maybe look and are there any permanent changes you might think just may come out of it too. Right. All right. We're okay. going to come back with more of our program, Sumner County Spotlight, right after these messages from F&M Bank and our other sponsors. We appreciate their F&M Bank sponsorship and we'll be back right after these messages. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. We are back at Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning with our special guest, Jim Bartu, marketing director at the Nashville Zoo, and Allison Day, the ambassador for the zoo and animal keeper as well. And uh, so let's let's talk about covid Um Things were cooking along. You were prepping for a normal year, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe we a few new, a few new arrivals as yeah. usual that time of year, and then this happens. So, right. what did you do? Uh, what are you doing? How are you surviving? And then, how is it looking for the rest of the year? Well, like like many other businesses, we we shut down very quickly. We made an announcement that we were going to shut down, and then we did so the very next day, um, and just kind of shut our gates. Um, Unlike a lot of businesses, zoos can't simply just shut the gates and everyone goes home. We have a whole collection of, of animals that need to be cared for every mm-hmm. single day. And some very rare. That's right, yeah. So people like Allison um, and uh, 60 or 70 others have to work every single day to come in, feed, care for the animals. We have a vet team that comes in and um, still performs uh, procedures and shots and everything that these animals need to get um, periodically to keep them healthy. Uh, We still have a park that has a lot of botanical in it. There's a lot of trees and there's a lot of growth in there. And And uh, we've had a pretty uh, a good spring for growing stuff, that's for sure. But if you let that go, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, if you have a lawn, you know you wait more than a week to just mow the lawn and you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the same with everything that grows across the pathways and everything else that's out there. So we have people that need to, to keep up with that as well um, on a day-to-day basis, and that's what we've been doing. Um, fortunately, we also have a lot of very uh, strong supporters in the community that have stepped up to be able to keep us going. Um, we've been able to apply to some uh, national, state, and local um, pools of money to help us continue well, to pay and keep I, people you know, on payroll. Th- that will lead into a little bit. So where does the zoo get its funding? Because you do have donors. You have people who are very passionate about it, which, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are so many different multiple ways, not just by you paying a few bucks to go. Right, yeah. You know. The biggest piece of the pie when it comes to the zoo's income is our gate. So that disappeared yeah. um, in mid-March. Mm-hmm. Um, to replace that, we need to look at other pieces of the pie to make that happen. Um, the second big piece of pie that we have is membership. And fortunately, many, many of our members continued to renew um, as we went through that process, which was fantastic. I, yeah. You know, you can't thank Zoo members enough for their continued support through all of this and their patience. Right. Well, I, you know, this. the reality is that's sort of a, a report card for you guys every year when it's renewal time because... If they do, you're doing a good job. We're it's doing kind the right of a thing. vote of confidence, and it's a, you know a pat on the back and and great work. And right. especially now when they probably know you need them. Yeah, yeah, and and they've been very good, very supportive through the whole process. Um, and then we have um, corporate and private donors that step up and help us with operations. They help us with capital. They help us with all different kinds of ways that we can. Um, sustain ourselves and grow into the future. And they have really stepped up as well. And the general public has stepped up with just straight-up donations to keep us running. 
Do you have um, corporate exhibits that can be sponsored maybe this this particular area, and that's an opportunity for uh, a corporate citizen to maybe, if, if there's some opportunities there, they could participate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's there's plenty of opportunity both on grounds and then with events that we run as well. There's there's opportunity to to have a sponsorship if that's what you're looking for in return for that kind of support into the zoo. Um, and we have people that, that help um, develop and, and organize that. And that's that's the other area that saw a pretty significant decline when we shut down because a lot of these sponsorships are based on um, exposure mm-hmm. to the public, right? They put their name on an exhibit because they know that we're going to see 1.3 million people through the gate. And when we don't, we can't deliver that, that's, um, that's a, a contract problem. So we have to go back yeah. and have a conversation with them about other ways that we might be able to help them get their name in front of um, things that we're doing to associate with the zoo. That makes sense. So where, where are we at right now at the zoo? So where, what would people experience? Um, right now, if you come back to the zoo, when we open back up, you will see one-way pathways. And wh- um, when, when is that likely to be? Um, we'll open up June 15th. That okay. is our plan. Right yeah. now, for at, now. At this okay. point, yeah. yeah. At this okay. point of recording, that's when we're going to be right, right, exactly. yeah, opening but, up. You know, is on the mayor can change his mind. I don't it know. Could, but. Yeah, it is, it is Thursday. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so we walk up, and what would we maybe notice? Well, the first thing that you're, that you're going to notice is that you'll see signs on the way in that say, we need to make sure that you have your ticket in advance, um, which you would get online. Um, to pick the date and time that you want to come because we're going to spread people out through time ticketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Members get to buy tickets on the top of the hour. Non-members get to buy tickets on the bottom of the hour. Um, And the second thing you're going to notice is we're asking everybody to wear masks. You'll see signs of those on the way in. So those are the two things that we need uh, the public to do before they even get to the zoo. As well as their sort of natural social distance. I think people are pretty good about trying to do that anyway. Right. But and the we'll mask have, is just, it's just another layer, yep. you know, but for you and the animals or who knows what. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it, would be, it would be rare to find somebody who hasn't learned how to social distance yeah. at this point, but we do have reminders throughout the park. We have ground banners like everybody else. We have signs like everybody else that stay Stay six feet apart when you're standing in line, when you're walking around, these kind of things. So you you can see that along the one-way pathways. Um, There will be several areas that are still closed because we just can't find a way to have them open and keep people safe. These are generally higher contact areas like uh, Kangaroo Kickabout and Lorikeet Landing. And not only um, people and staff, but animals themselves. We don't know enough about this virus to know if a kangaroo can get Well, that's corona. what I was kind of hinting at. No one really knows. That's um, right. So better safe than sorry. Because exactly. it's not, you know, always about you. I mean, you guys are nice enough to wear masks, as, and I, I know you're doing it for me. Yep. And we're plenty six feet apart, no question. But, you know, we're in an enclosed space, yep. and you've got the same issues there. Yeah, exactly. And our unseen new world is a lot like that. There's very close spaces in there, and we can't guarantee that um uh you'll be uh safe from the virus in that area and i and i'm not really quite sure there's a way to completely guarantee that anyway we need everyone's help to be able to make sure that that is the case sure um well, so that's Allison, that's those are the kind of things that you're going to be able to kind of see when you get out there well when we're talking about animals Allison, and, and and we can talk about kind of some of the new things going on because just because the, you're closed doesn't mean animals aren't doing their thing. I mean, they're, they have no idea this is going on. <laughs> they're just doing what they do. But um, tell me about the animals that there are animals that can wander. And how do you know they're not? <laughs> you know, I've always wondered, like, okay, a peacock's just walking around. What, uh, you know, you don't see those travel on the highway every day or whatever. But uh, zoos make those decisions to have natural interaction, I would assume, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think the zoo has any naturally wandering animals, but um, they have lots of space in their exhibits, and there are a lot of zoos that do have free-roaming animals. Sometimes yeah. we'll have native geese and right. all sorts of other things wandering around. So, Are there some that just show up? Because, <laughs> hey, there's other animals here. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever, like, yeah. just wild 
like what? Canada yeah. geese, yeah. We have a lot Canada of Canada geese. We have some um, some hawks, some native hawks that are yeah. pestering uh, everyone. Freeloaders. That's yeah. what we call those. <laughs> exactly. Easy meal. Yeah. That's right. You might as well have a big drive through sign above your zoo, you right. know? Wait a minute. There's rats in here. Especially right. when there are guests <laughs> dropping food everywhere, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, so tell us about the animals. How did they do this winter? What, what are, is there anything new that we're going to see this year when we do open up? You're getting me kind of pumped now. I'm getting excited because the time is coming soon to open. I don't believe we have any new things going on. Correct we me got, if I'm wrong. We got yeah. joeys in pouches. Oh, we do. Um, uh, so at Kangaroo cool. Kickabout. And yeah, it'll be closed, but keepers will be bringing them down by the fence line, so we'll be able to see that. We have some baby animals up at the hospital um, but we have not been able to find a way to get the public up there so they can look through the window at the nursery. But we do mm-hmm. have some caracal kittens that are up there, which is kind of a, a, a medium-sized cat that's native to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have um, a cassowary chick that was just born up there. And that's kind of a big flightless bird, got a blue and red head. And wow. Yeah, so we have, we have that going on up there, but... Um, what about the grand old animals? Is, is there like a... Like a rhino or something like that? You know, like just that? some old sweetheart that has been there since oh, you gotcha. opened. And, you know, I mean, they, that everybody loves. And who, who do the zookeepers all, you know, talk about? Well, one of our giraffes, our male giraffe, Congo. How old is he now? Do you know? Uh, he's got to be 16 or 17. Uh, yeah, I was going to yeah. say 16 or 17. He's one of the favorites by the guests and the keepers. Um, I know that he's been waiting for that public interaction at our exhibit. Yeah. So anytime a keeper walks by, he comes up close like, do you have any food lettuce? for me? Any yeah. lettuce? Uh, yeah. One yeah. of their favorites. So he definitely steals everyone's heart, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. So um, so the the kangaroo exhibit, you're going to try to get some people to see that. anything yep. else that they may just notice that's different with the, the, the or can we kind of get pretty normal for the most part. Yeah, the, I mean, the park's going to be a normal park to be able to see. I think one of the bigger changes that you're going to see when you come out there, if you're used to walking around the zoo, is the um, the pathway that leads from the top of the meerkat viewing area to the bridge below the meerkat area. That used to be a very tight S-turn, yeah. and it was it was a choke point when it came to crowds. And we knew that that was going to be a problem when we open back up if we needed to space people out. Yeah. So we went through the effort to really expand that entire area out oh, okay. and make it much more navigable for people as they move from that area. So you're going to notice a huge difference there. Um, and there'll be signs that kind of guide people through that process, but that'll be a big change in the park that you'll notice. Um, we've cleaned a lot of things up because they... We we had a chance to do a lot of things while the park was yeah. closed, so maybe, we've been in the some process. Maintenance and, that you've been wanting yeah. to do for a while, yeah, that's right. nice. A lot of maintenance stuff. Ceiling pathways are important to keep them pristine. Cleaning up the lanterns that hang on the posts, those kind of things that we just don't get to do because we're we're either too busy or there's too many people in the park that we can't really shut it down. So this has provided us a little bit of an opportunity to get some of that stuff done. So if they want to go to the zoo, let's, I'd want to tell them this multiple times during the broadcast here. So if they would like to go to the zoo after it opens on the 15th, best way to get tickets, I'm assuming you're limiting maybe total capacity and some other things. But. Correct. Yeah, about every half hour we're going to let about 250 people in. So that's kind of our capacity on the half hour. Um, the first three days, the 15th, 16th, and 17th, only zoo members are going to be able to come in. I got you. Um, and then starting on the 18th, um, everyone is able to start getting tickets at that point. Members need to reserve a ticket just as much as non-members do, so they need to reserve their spot. There's no cost to it because they're members and right. they get in free year-round. Um, and then non-members can purchase tickets on that timed slot. So the first thing you want to do is figure out what day you want to visit, go online and see what your options are in terms of entry. Mm-hmm. Um, pick up your tickets and then plan your visit. Get, make sure you bring your mask. Um, the other thing that we think that you should probably bring with you as well is water um, because the public water fountains will, will be turned right. off for obvious reasons. So check the forecast and maybe bring some water. Bring it's some gonna water. It's going to be really nice between now. Boy, I wish you could open like today through the weekend because oh, it is I, gorgeous. Well, we, you know, we missed the, the, the peak three months of when people come to the zoo. It, yeah. In March, April, and May, we see 
half of our attendance for the entire year this during those so nice. three months. Yeah. I know. It was a beautiful yeah. time to be outside. It was just yeah. tragic. So, you know, and the members should get a little bit of a, a preview because they've stuck with you. And, yes. And what if somebody's thinking about that? What does a membership cost? What, how would they go about becoming one? You know, they vary in price. It really kind of depends on what you want out of your membership. Family memberships, I think, right now are 165 bucks. It includes two adults, all the children that you need to fit in. And those also tend to double as grandparent memberships as well. So you can get, you can get kids in, grandkids in on that membership. Um, there's individual memberships that are much less expensive from that. In general, memberships tend to pay for themselves in about two to three visits. So if you're planning yeah. on going to the zoo more than once, you should really take a look at that and see it just for the financial end of it. Yeah, you know, it works out great because, um, you know, everybody has guests in and out of their house throughout the summer. And, you know, it's like, what do you want to do? Oh, my gosh, we're members. Why don't we, why don't we go? We want to show you our zoo. And, right. you know, there's so many cool things that you can do. Right. Um, and a lot of times you can buy memberships with additional guests added on to them. So that's a great thing to do for people that are coming into town. Because you can include a guest, and it doesn't. Yeah. It can be somebody outside of your. Oh, I'm sure you have out of town um, members. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, why yeah. Not? It's worth the road trip. We do. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We have people that drive in from Clarksville, from um, points and, in yep points sure. up in Kentucky quite a bit. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Well, we're talking uh, with uh, Jim. Sorry, my glasses are <laughs> Jim Bartu, marketing director at the uh, zoo, and Allison Day, the ambassador. And Allison, I want to talk to you after this next break uh, a little bit about the. St- the zoo staff, the the zoo keepers. I mean, I don't know what to call them, but you guys have all their different specialties and and all of the different things they do. Because I want to kind of get into that because people interact with some of those folks. You know, a lot of times we see the maintenance guy running around, but in the exhibits themselves, there are people that have specialties. I think, right? Oh yeah, definitely. There's all kinds of keepers, all kinds of specialties all around the zoo. For so sure. we'll talk with Allison and Jim a little bit more right after these messages here on Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by F and M Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, and at myfmbank.com. We'll be back in just a moment. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. We are back again here on Sumner County Spotlight with Jim Bartu, the marketing director of the Nashville Zoo, and also Allison Day. A, uh, an ambassador for the zoo. So she, she gets to do a lot of road trips, but she also works with animals, and there are lots and lots of people at the zoo that do. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? And, you know, you probably get tons of people wanting to work there, i got to believe. And oh, how do yeah. you you gotta, you got to sift through the wannabes with, do you actually know how to care for animals? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely, definitely uh, a true thing. I've learned to make sure I'm not wearing my zoo uniform when I go to Walmart or go grocery <laughs> yes. shopping. Because then everyone will be asking, how do you get a job at the zoo? Yeah. You know, or I worked at the zoo. Well, there's before. no lack of, vol- well, I don't want to say that because, uh, you know, but really, you don't really have too much trouble wanting to people wanting to work there, do you? Yeah, we have a lot of people wanting to volunteer and yeah. intern with us. So, yeah. Thank goodness in yeah, a lot of ways. Exactly. Yeah, we're really missing them these days right now. But uh, we have a lot of great support systems, whether they're paid or unpaid here at the zoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have about 60, 50 to 60 keepers at the zoo uh, they each work in different departments. I work in our behavioral husbandry department. We've got primate keepers, carnivore keepers, contact area keepers that are at Critter Encounter in the farm. We've got bird keepers. I mean, do everything. people, when they come and want to work there, do they have a, normally a specific area, or are they just glad to get a job and they've got a degree and, and uh, then they sort of figure out what they really enjoy and where you may have an opportunity for it kind of depends on where they're at in their career if they're at their beginning stages they may take whatever jobs open um, which usually involves a shovel <laughs> yes all the jobs at the zoo involve let's shovels. go you know hey we all got to do it <laughs> yes we all got to scoop the poop mm-hmm. um, but yeah it really depends on where they're at um, but a lot of people do have their specialties they may have worked at other zoos with strictly carnivores and they may come to the nashville zoo because they really have heard great things about us, but there's only a bird keeper position open. But then they realize that they really love that, so they may kind of change their focus. Right, right. And I would imagine in the years you've been there, you're learning every day. Yeah. Every day is a new day. That's one of the things I love about my job. Got to consistently learn things. I take care of 100 animals or so, birds, reptiles, mammals. So 
got to know a little bit about everything and be an expert on every animal. Not to mention to get to know that particular animal. Do they do they ever, this is kind of a weird question, but do you, you see the textbook version of what this animal should do and how it behaves. And then have you got an animal that doesn't behave at all like that? Is like, where'd this one come from? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. We have a lot of those oddball animals, but I mean, each animal has their own personality and we really have to learn that. And obviously they can't speak the same language as us. So we really have to read their body language. We mm-hmm. need to make sure we're presenting a uh, certain body language to them too and understand each animal as an individual, not as a species necessarily. Let alone the diets and the food. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I'm assuming you, there's not just, you know, you may be responsible for 100 animals, but there's somebody else helping to make sure they get the right nutrition, the right food. Right? Yeah. We have a lot of nutritionists on our staff that prepare a lot of the ingredients for our diets every day. There's hundreds and hundreds of animals that they have to get prepared. I think they come in at 3 a.m. every day, which is just crazy to me. Oh, yeah. um, but they get a lot of the stuff ready. They make sure that all these animals are getting the proper nutrition and supplements and things. And then, at least for our department, we go ahead and uh, prepare those diets a little bit more and add what we need to add um, gotcha. based on each animal. But I think people sometimes forget that you guys keep really good records about that stuff. So if they maybe you've got a specific meal for a specific animal, you make a little adjustment to it because you know they like it better or they're going to you make those notes. It's not like you just do it on your own. You let them know so then isn't there like a lot of communication there? Yeah, there's a lot of communication involved, a lot of people involved. If we ever want to make some kind of diet change for one of our animals, we have to get it approved by our supervisors, vet staff, commissary. So there's a big chain of events that has to happen in order to make sure that these animals are getting the food that they need every day. So isn't that one of the first telltale signs, too, if, some, if something's not right, that is through the nutrition of the animal, is it not? Yeah, that's one of the main things we look at. If they have some kind of inappetence, they're not eating well, that might be a sign that there could be something wrong. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we look for, for sure. And not only what's going in, but what's coming out of the animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, assuming, look right? I mean, you know, day. it sounds weird, but this is, this is what you do, right? Yeah, I mean, we take routine fecals on sure. our whole department. A couple times a year, we're in the thick of it right now. You know, we're uh, we're all in the plumbing business here. We've yeah. all got plumbing, yep. and we got to make sure stuff's moving. Yep. Right. <laughs> so, um, so what happens when an animal is sick? Then, then what happens? You say, okay, you notify uh, the nutritionist, like they're not eating right or something, and it's been going on for too long now. They're getting, they're losing weight. Um, what do you do? So that requires a lot of communication from the keepers within our department, um, especially now when we're kind of working in separate teams. It really requires even more um, communication to make sure we're all seeing the same things. So the job requires a lot of observation skills. So we don't immediately say, oh, this animal's not doing well. We've got to take it up to the clinic unless we see something really wrong. Right, right. But we have to be rational about it and not panic um, and look for those telltale signs that there could be something wrong. We know the animal's history. We can look back at their medical records, see if they had something previously wrong. But then we'll go to our supervisor, and if we see that something needs to be addressed, we'll take them up to the veterinary clinic. Well, you know, I think about that sometimes, and I, you know, it would freak me out. Not that I'd want to panic, but if something wasn't right, the responsibility you have with a rare animal would just freak me out. I'd be, you know, afraid to do anything, and you don't want to screw up. But, um, you know... If they've done it a long time, they get. Do they get over that? Because I don't know that I could ever get over it. I don't know that I've gotten over it. Over it. I've just tried to not think about it so much. Yeah. I know the weight that's on our shoulders. Right. Exactly. To make sure these animals. Because it all sounds healthy. great until something goes wrong, and then guess what? Exactly. You're on front page news, and yeah, it's like, geez, you know, everybody's doing their best. Yeah, of course. But it is a big. It's it's huge. I mean, it's kind of like uh, pet sitting for your friend's <laughs> pet. And it's that your friend's, like, favorite pet in the world. Yeah. Exactly. Right? exactly. And while they're away, you want to make sure that nothing happens to this animal. Right. Or so. that this pet is larger than your home. Right. And you a know. lot of our animals are <laughs> right. endangered or critically endangered, so that puts even more pressure on us. Yeah. But exactly. we have a lot of really awesome, skilled keepers that do a great job every day. Well, Allison, tell me about some of the organizations. You know, zoos, I know, work together. Um, and uh, there's animal exchanges, there's uh, advice going back and forth. Can you tell us about some of those relationships that you guys have that um, help us to have better uh, cared-for animals? Yeah, so the zoo field is a really tight-knit field. Pretty much everyone knows everyone else, um, so there is a lot of collaboration that goes on. Um, There's different forums that keepers use to ask for advice on certain animals and things, and oftentimes we will 
um, loan animals to other zoos um, or trade them or do different things like that so that way uh, we can keep refreshing our collections and but you sure. also I know the animal's health is always the first thing you know oh, does definitely. this one travel well or is it really stressful on him yeah you know oh my gosh he was great when he left and now he's a train wreck yeah well he might miss people I know it sounds crazy but it happens. Yeah, traveling with animals is a very difficult thing to do. There are special parts on planes mm-hmm. where uh, the animals travel, so there's oh a God, lot of that security would just that happens. Make you nervous. And you can only do it at certain times of year because if it's too hot, we don't want the animals to overheat. So mm-hmm. there's a lot, a lot of things that go into all that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, well, Jim, let's talk about events real quick um, sure. because that's been affected. Um, yes, you guys have some massive blowouts, which are awesome. They're fundraisers. They're just social nights. Um, can you tell us about those? And, and, you know, how do we – you may not even have a plan yet for this year. Maybe maybe they're all gone for the year. I don't know. And maybe we'll hopefully do some next year. But what's that looking like? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of aspect of that that we just simply don't know. Um, all of our June events have been canceled or postponed. But you got uh, – you what's in September? Just this great uh, – The Sunset Safari. Oh, my gosh. What yeah. a great event. And we are – we're looking at that event. We're trying to figure out if we're going to move that event further into the year or have it during that time. Um, but you'd we, like to try to have it, I'm assuming. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, October, it's a, November, early November is not that cold. <laughs> yeah, it's well, and that that may be the case. We do, we just don't know. But it is a, a huge fundraiser for us. It's a big night, um, so we'd love to be able to have it. Brew at the zoo is another yeah, one, great one um, that we usually have at the end of May, beginning of June. That obviously we weren't able to have. We how have many, another one. How many uh, uh, brew vendors do you have there? You get tons of different samples of. Uh, I'm wanting to say it's like 60 different yeah. breweries, and each brewery usually shows up with like yeah, I remember three or being four over different 80 samples. Or something. Yeah, you get yeah. There's tons. just you, you, you're not going to make it through <laughs> drinking all of it. Yes. Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll kill it yourself. It has to be a multi-day event. Uh, y- yeah, night event. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm I'm sure some people try and. <laughs> Those people become very obvious towards the end of the night. Yes, yeah, we just say. got a cage for them. They have yeah. a special place. We have a special <laughs> place for them. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so, you know, but there's online things that you can do and other things I'm sure you've got uh, in the works or in uh, that you have done that have helped raise some, some funds. We are, yeah. We've moved towards um, some virtual backstage pass tours that we're offering online now. Um, we're trying our luck at virtual summer camps right now to see how those are going um and uh some of that is going really well some of it is not but some of it is going really well um it's really hard to um replace the face-to-face uh experience that people have with animals by putting it on um on a virtual contact yeah i I think there's so many entities like that i mean musicians same thing it's great to see them but it's not the same Right, yeah. As seeing them there. live is very different than seeing them on on your screen. But the the upside is there's a little more focused attention on you know teaching them about the animal. It seems to me. Right, and there's the and it can be a much more personal experience on a virtual tour as well because mm-hmm. you can ask questions along the way, um, and it might be just you and your family that are sitting around and experiencing that together. Right. So check it out. Put it up on the big screen if you got your internet hooked to your smart TV. And, sure. You know the pictures are great. It's yeah. A, they're HD cameras and, and 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 the people that are giving the tour will answer questions right back to you while they're talking to you, and yeah. they can show you different aspects of animals or the the areas that they're being kept in, and all different kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're uh, talking with Jim Bartu, the marketing director for the Nashville Zoo, and also Allison Day, the uh, ambassador for the zoo and animal keeper as well. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit more in our last segment. We'll talk about education. I mean, we're just sort of, you know, hitting on all these areas, but it gives you a sense in the last 40-plus minutes, 45 minutes, of exactly what goes on and just the tentacles that the zoo reaches throughout our community. And uh, this is part of that and, and letting everybody know. We're still here. You're going to be open soon, um, and it's not to be missed. So, and uh, we're going to come back and talk with our guests a little bit more in just a moment, right here on WHIN. Stay tuned. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. 
And welcome back to our last segment today here on Sumner County Spotlight. We're talking with Jim Bartu, Marketing Director at the uh, Nashville Zoo, and also Allison Day, Ambassador for the Animals. Well, she's an ambassador of the zoo and the animals. That's the way I look at it, because she's, uh, she's an ambassador for both. So, um, you know, we were talking about the tentacles of the zoo and how much outreach it does in, in all different areas, and uh, the, one of them is education. And with the schools being closed, and, you know, I always talk to people about this COVID thing. You know, it's, it's something we never thought we'd ever deal with. Um, it, it's, it's not the first time it's ever happened in the world. It's just the first time it's ever happened to us. Yep. But there are good things that can come out of it, um, yeah. I think. And so I wonder, with these educational things that you guys have done and the virtual stuff you're doing, um, do you think, is there some good that might come out of that with regard to education and the kids and the schools? Because you've got great relationships with these school corporations. I think it's opened our eyes towards um, uh, expanding what we can do for schools on the virtual platform. Um, we've been able to kind of think through the process of introducing people to animals in an intermittent environment through uh, Zoom or another online platform that a lot of people can look at mm-hmm. um, that we never really that we that we have looked at before, but never really put a lot of time and energy into it because we really wanted to either get the animals right in front of people directly or more importantly have schools out to the zoo to yeah. get a full experience of, of a day at the zoo. Can't wait for those days to come back. Yeah. That's got to be killing you guys. Because that, that's such a it was huge. great thing to see those kids, man. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, you know, and we're going we're gonna to look at that time in our lives to be a very nostalgic time when you were able to go um, with your classmates out to the zoo and enjoy a day at the zoo. We're going to look on that very fondly. But if the future shows that that may not be possible for whatever reason, that we can't get back to that kind of normalcy, seeing a zoo in a virtual environment really is going to be kind of an answer to that or a a possible path forward. And the kids that are growing up with that, that'll become their nostalgia. Right. And like you said, they're right there to answer a question. Right. You know, you might get a little more in-depth and a little more focused than you would if you got all these things to look at. You know, it's hard for kids. It's like, oh, my gosh, there's this, and then there's this, and then oh, there's this. this well, yeah. this, this does help them focus a little more. Right, yeah. You can kind of show them exactly what you're talking about and guide them a little bit through that educational process to say this is this is why a snake has skin the way it does, and this is the why the skin sheds the way it does when mm-hmm. the animal grows, right? right. Or this is why an owl's feathers look like this and a crow's feathers look like this. I, I believe the retention might end up being a little better because of that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, well, there, I, the, there's obvious downsides. Yeah, that, you know. that would be great. You but, know, but either way, it's, it's showing them that process rather than explaining to them and having them visually see that in their heads. It's always a good idea to, to have a prop there to to show that process and ideally in person but if not uh virtually certain certainly has become much more prevalent for us so you know when you talk about the average joe they go to the zoo it just seems to me that people go through these things in life like you were saying jim earlier that you know when you're young you know it leaves a huge impression on you then we get old we get busy we're in the middle of our life and unless you're a true animal lover, you may not even think about the zoo unless you have kids or there's something that got you there. Yeah. And then as you get older and you start appreciating life, nature, your grandchildren, then you, you kind of come back to the zoo. And yep. I, I, I think about that middle crowd. And because I was in it for a while, I'm on the other end now toward the older end and love bringing my grandkids to the zoo. But, you know, I, I hope people realize that that impact is a great escape. It's a way to deal with things that are tough. And when you think that you just need a break to go away, go to the zoo. Don't right. just pull in a parking lot somewhere and lose it. You know, sometimes, have you ever been to a zoo where people are unhappy? Other than maybe a kid screaming here and there. But but really, <laughs> everybody's walking around happy. Yeah, for the most part. And as a marketing person, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There are There are a definite number of stages in your life where the zoo is right in the middle of your your pathway in life, right? One of them is um, uh, grade school when you go to visit. Another one is when you get married and have your children of your own, mm-hmm. and you um, send those kids through that experience as well. 
um, being able to tap into those audiences in between there um, is uh, uh, is challenging, mm-hmm. right? And that's why zoos have beer festivals, yeah. right? Yeah. Because those are the kind of people, that's what they're looking for. I totally agree. Yep. I mean, so you're we're into the marketing end of it here, but it's true, and I think people forget about that. But when you were talking earlier, it really got me thinking because there are landmarks within a zoo. That I remember as a child, and I remember a little toy choo-choo train you could crawl around in and a a drinking fountain that was a lion's mouth that you stuck your head in the lion's mouth to get your drink. Right. You know, the Nashville Zoo has those. You know, you have probably favorite landmarks that people are, oh, gosh, when I went there, they had this. And you can never get rid of it because it's just, you know, maybe something you didn't think would be an icon, but now all of a sudden... You're famous for it. And we're seeing people now. I've been at the zoo now for 20 years, so we're seeing people now that are saying, I grew up um, loving this exhibit that has been around forever, and now I have children of my own, and I can't wait to get them and show them that. Yeah. So we're seeing people make that circle. And and that's what's been a, a pleasure for me being there um, since really close to the beginning is to watch that cycle transform because before that we didn't really have a zoo Mm -hmm. and people that lived in Nashville for the longest time didn't really have that kind of tradition that's built within the family. Now that we're getting older and we have established ourselves, we're starting to build traditions into families for people coming back. It's hard not to get emotional about that kind of stuff. It seems crazy, but it really does... If you take your time and you think back to your zoo experiences throughout your life, um, they are embedded in there. You are 100% right. They're definitely memorable. I, I, don't, I, I have not met anyone who can't remember um, a zoo visit that they had when they were a kid. And that's saying something. Yeah. So keep it on your radar, you middle-aged folks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we'll, get out there, you kid. You twenty-somethings. We'll, that's right. We'll get more beer going. Eventually. That's right. You um, millennials. We got. <clears throat> we'll have another beer festival soon. So, you've been there a long time, Allison. How long you've been there? I've been there eight years. Yeah. So, in that those different time periods, what kind of growth has have you? What differences have you seen from then to now, and what's the future look like? I know that Jim mentioned in the 20 years that he's been there, it's changed a lot. But even in the past five years, we have become one of the top zoos in the country with all the amazing exhibits we've opened. Our tiger exhibit, our bear exhibit, um, several years ago, our kangaroo exhibit. So it's changed so much. Um, yeah, there's always the something cooking and you've got oh, capital yeah. campaigns for things. Yeah. What uh, What's on the horizon? Anything that was, you know, every it seems like everything on the planet has been put on hold, but that doesn't mean there aren't plans. Are there, there things you can tell us about that are in the works? Sure, yeah, there are plans, um, and, um, and, I, and I'll project quite a ways out here. But our next big expansion will be to develop an African Plains um, area of the park. And this is going to be fairly large, about 40 acres of well, the property. There's, there's not a lot of be, small animals in Africa. So. <laughs> no, and it, and it won't. I mean, we're talking hippos, mm-hmm. rhinos, more giraffes, lots of hoofstock. Um, primate species, uh, a giant lodge that people can eat in during the day, and then at night it can be rented out for um, big convention parties, Uh, a back deck on the lodge where you can feed giraffes. Yeah, I think um, people sometimes when they think of Africa, they think of one thing. This has so many different environments. It's got deserts. It's got rainforests. It's got, you know, you got to have uh, water for the hippos. you got to have, you know, that has to be pretty, that 40 acres is going to chew up pretty quick when you think about the different habitats, I'm assuming, you have to make in that 40 acres. That's right. Well, and this is going to focus on the African plains. I think what is most uh, ambitious about this project is we're going to create a river um, through the 40 acres. You're making a river. We're making a river <laughs> that cool. people will be able to enjoy seeing this whole area by boat. Awesome. So you will climb onto a boat and actually... And it won't be a plane boat. It'll be a theme boat, I'm sure. It'll, it'll look cool. It'll <laughs> yeah. look awesome. Yeah. Our, our zoo president always goes all out for these exhibits. Yeah, yeah. you know, they're cool, though. You know, They are. They are cool. They are, that is uh, undoubtedly... A selfie His to passion. be uh, exhibit, I'm sure. It'll yeah. be a big selfie. And exhibit. lots of detail goes into that yeah. work. If you've been out to see our, our our tiger exhibit lately, you'll understand the kind of detail that we put into these exhibits. I mean, just down to the small, minute 
carvings and things that you'll see colorings out there. lighting uh the way the path looks there's just yeah the the, the botanicals the planting the, the all of it you know mm-hmm. all of the senses that you have as you're walking through an area are important for us um we want you to feel transported to another place where you walk through there and you don't feel like you're in nashville anymore i mean already the place itself which is on nolensville road you drive in from the the entrance drive and within seconds you don't feel like you're on nolensville road anymore and as you make your way into the park you don't feel like you're in nashville anymore you feel like you're in a completely different spot in the world and that's we do that on purpose we want you to feel that way yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we're getting toward the end here. Tell us about um, the zoo's future, uh, how it looks, how it looks through the end of the year and next year, because that's sort of upon us. We're ready to open shortly. Yeah. Um, and I hope everybody, I just hope there's a massive line. I know you have to limit the amount of folks, but I do hope you support it. We do, yeah. And, um, and, and it's really hard to say financially how this is going to play out over the years. Uh, we had a very popular um, event that took place at the end of last year and the beginning of this year um, called Zoolumination. And it was a, a Chinese festival of uh, lanterns um, that we were able to have. And um, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is we have about 50 Chinese folks that come over and build these lanterns from scratch. Oh and it's going to be, they're all new you every year. You are attention to detail. That's then. right. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they, we can't get visas for them. They can't get over yeah. here yeah. in time to build everything because of this virus. So mm-hmm. that was a, that, that was a big um, kick in the gut for us to be, to have to give that up. Mm-hmm. Um, Moving into next year, we uh, we hope to bring some additional things into the zoo. Um, it might be premature to kind of talk about those at this point because I think we're still up in the air with that. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to decide what can we afford to do, and if we can afford to do it, will it draw the attention of um, – uh, Nashville enough for us to be able to continue to to move forward well, down that again, path. And I don't want to ask a really tough question, but we do worry. I mean, is should we 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 worry about the health of the zoo just financially? Is it okay? Are you getting by? Um, we're we're okay. You know, yeah, we're okay. We have um, you know when that starts to get a little iffy, people you know get nervous and they'll step up. I I at least I believe they would. They do, yeah. And we have a board of directors that are very smart. Um, and uh, put uh, a rainy day fund together to help us through tough times like this. Well, it's been a long time building these 20 years into what that zoo is today. It would be a shame to see any of it go backwards, even I, even an ounce. I don't think anybody wants that to happen, and, yeah. and I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. I think we will all fight tooth and nail to make sure that we still have a zoo that Nashville can be proud of into the future. Well, for the folks that can't go to shows and concerts still yet, um, the zoo's going to be open. So right. you can't say there's nothing to do anymore. Everybody wants to get out of their four walls, I'm sure. And uh, we recommend the zoo highly. And, uh, Allison, any last thoughts about the animals or any special new ones that we know about might be coming that you can say or no? Well, like Jim mentioned before, we've got those caracal kittens. So I'm actually going to be uh, one of the ones taking care of them at some point. So hopefully... We'll get to have them out in the public at some point down the road. We don't mm-hmm. know what that's going to look like, um, but that's pretty exciting. That's what we're hoping for in the near future. Yeah, because, you know, just like humans have pre-existing condition, animals do, right? And you don't, you got to take care of them. You yeah. have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Temperature yeah. and all of that stuff, right? Yeah. But I got to tell you, the, there's there are lots of animals out there that are, uh, I think, that are going to be uh, excited yeah, if, I I can, too. if I can apply that kind of feeling towards an animal to see people back again. Oh, yeah. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I think I think some of the animals have missed seeing people on the walkways. They mm. like looking at you as much as you like mm. looking at it's them. It's way too quiet. Yes, <laughs> yes. And they're hoping you drop something, but don't do it, people. <laughs> do not feed the animals. Okay? No, don't do that. <laughs> Unless yeah. they 
let you feed them in no, certain areas. Don't, so, no, yeah. yeah, that's right. We'll that's right. we'll let you know if you can feed them. Okay, one last time. Um, how do they get in touch if they want to come to the zoo? When does it open? What are the hours going to be? And all of that last batch of uh, the info that everybody needs to know to go. Sure. Yeah. Starting June fifteenth for the first three days, uh, we'll be open to members only, and then we start on the eighteenth for everyone. We're going to be open every day, nine a.m. to six p.m. You need to go to nashvillezoo.org to get your date and timed ticket in advance before you come out. Pay attention to all of the changes that um, you can expect to see when you're out to the zoo before you come out, so you'll know what to expect. Um, And then come on out and enjoy yourself. Wear comfortable shoes. Yeah, take care of each other and take care of those animals. That's right, yep. Well, thank you very much, Jim Bartu, Marketing Director, and Allison Day, uh, Ambassador for the Nashville Zoo. We appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, and, thank you. Enrique, thanks for being here. We're glad you're back in the cooler. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. And that is going to do it for Sumner County Spotlight for this Sunday morning. We appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. here on WHIN, sponsored by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard and at myfmbank.com. We'll talk to you next week. Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.